If you'll all stand with me very quickly, we'll go to the Word. I, I just want to preach for a few minutes. I believe God laid this thought on my heart, and uh, I've got a couple of handouts where I think somewhere uh, they're about to be handed out, um, and you can follow along in the handout on the back of the sheet. There's some notes, uh, some space to take notes, so uh, you can follow along with me. But we're going to be reading right from Luke 12, uh, 6 through 7 this morning. Let me uh, Here it is. And not five sparrows, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them. So there's five sparrows, or what, yeah, five sparrows, and not one of them are forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head, some more than others, are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So here we are in this situation, and all, all the Bible saying in this moment, Jesus is saying in this moment, is understand that you are important to me. I see you. I know where you're at. I got you, fam. That's what he's saying. I got you. I know what you're going through. I know the, the situation that is, is in front of you right now, but I got you, and I care about you. I care about the birds of the air. How much more do I care about you? And so you may be seated this morning. I just want to talk for a few moments on this thought. I spy. I spy. Now, growing up was uh, was just a lot of fun. You've heard some of my stories, but growing up was a lot of fun. And oh, we, we drove. We had a good 20-minute drive to church every single Sunday and Wednesday evening. And uh, one of the games that we grew up, first of all, we played one game. It was how many flags can you count? And whoever found the most flags on the ride to church, uh, you won. Now, at the time, I thought my parents were really interested in playing games and having fun. And now I realize they were just trying to, you know, quiet down a bunch of kids. And so, so here we were, and, you know, the first two or three times, this was a fun game. You know, you'd notice a bunch of flags on top of a, on top of a gas station, or you'd notice some in front of a, a building. And you, but very quickly, you learned where the most flags were, right? So you'd turn a corner, and it was like, but the, the rule was you, you could not call them out until you saw them. That was, that was the rule. And, you, I mean, life has rules. We had to play by the rules. And so, of course, Dad, uh, he would, you know, on some turns go a little bit slower so that he knew he would see the flags first, right? Like, that was just his way, all in the name of winning. Thanks, Father. Like, I don't have any issues now. No. But, um, but we, we would play these games. Another game that was a lot of fun ended up being I Spy. Now, if you've ever been in a long road trip, you have probably pulled this game out and played it. And it's, I mean, it's not like you're going to find, you're not going to find a a box. It's not in a box. It's just a mental game. And you challenge somebody else to figure out what it is that you're spying or looking at all by telling them one thing, a color. I spy with my little eye something that is blue. Wow, y'all, you ready for this? All right, I've spied something that's blue. Throw it at me. Nope. The treasure hunt, Andrew for the win. All right. So, but I spy with my little eye. It was a game that we would play over and over and over. And uh, and my sisters probably cheated because I never did. And uh, you would change, you know, somebody would say my jacket. And if it was my jacket, if, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Can you imagine my jacket? And, right? You'd be like, that's, and you, because you wanted to be it longer, right? You wanted to tell, uh, you wanted to say, oh, you didn't get it. So I spy something new. 
And so then, uh, after a few years of being a child, I realized that the library, a very fascinating resource for many people that you don't know exists, it's wonderful. Go check it out. I know, right? Google, what's that? But okay, there's this thing called I Spy, and it was a book. And here it is right here, a, a book of picture riddles. And what it was is you opened up the book, and it was just a, a bedroom floor that was absolutely a mess. So there we go. It was like a pink background, blue background, and it had stuff all over it. And then on the very bottom, it had a key. And you had, not like a literal key, it was like a box with, with words in it. And, and it would tell you what you had to find. And so it would say, hey, find a, you know, chattering teeth, find a T. And you would go through and you would start to spy all the different things throughout that page. Another popular book that I absolutely adored, has anyone heard of this guy right here? There he is. Hi there, everyone. That's, who is that? Where's Waldo? Waldo, Waldo and his many friends, right? There's his friends. You had the wizard, and you had She-Waldo, I guess, and uh, Bizarro Waldo. I don't know. So you had all these different Waldos, and your mission was to what? Find Waldo. Waldo, okay, let's go to the next picture. Waldo, very popular books. You had the red book. You had, I think there's a yellow book, right? And then there was a blue book, but I don't got a picture of the blue one, but that was my favorite. Uh, let's go to the next picture. Waldo would always get himself into these incredibly precarious situations. It was like, what are you doing there, Waldo? How did you get to this point? Why are you at, I don't even know what this is. It's like cowboys and Indians, the old west, I don't know, the gold rush. There it is. It's the gold rush. And so there's why Waldo was it. He was in it for the money. That's what it was. <laughs> All right, we figured it out. But Waldo would always find himself in these very difficult, weird situations. And your mission, if you chose to accept it, was to point out where Waldo was amongst the craziness that was going on in the midst of Waldo's world. And then we, I mean, there we go. What is it, medieval dinosaur Waldo? All right, and we got one more. This one's even, like, what is, man, it's like a band, a carnival. It's like New Orleans on, on steroids, y'all. That's what we got. And so it's, it's just wild. I mean, Waldo would find himself in the worst situations. I mean, you do not want to be surrounded by medieval army guys and, and a dinosaur. Like, if you find yourself there, leave. Like, that's not where you want to be, right? But Waldo would find himself in these situations. And I, I don't know. I mean, if I'm Waldo, and I mean, I'm not, but if I was, I might ask myself, does anybody even care where I am? I mean, it's been 18 years since anyone's opened one of these books. And, like, does anyone even care anymore? Here I am in the midst of my worst scenario, my worst situation. Does anyone even care that I'm, like, lost? Does anyone care? And sometimes we can kind of feel like Waldo. We can kind of find ourselves in these situations like we are surrounded by hundreds of people, a, hundred, a crazy situation, and, you know, maybe most people would think we know how we got here. Most people would think, well, Waldo got there by walking. Waldo got there by, you know, taking a horse or whatever Waldo did. But he got there, and he knew where he was going. But little did Waldo know he was walking into a situation he had no clue he was getting himself into. And sometimes we can feel like that living on this planet, surrounded by many people and things going on. We can maybe even be coming to church on a weekly basis and coming on midweek and be wondering, what, where am I? 
how did I get here? Can God really see me? And if he does see me, does he even notice what I'm going through? What, what I'm struggling with? What, what I'm having to deal with on a daily basis? And if he does know all of this, all of this, all of these things, does he care? Does he even care? In fact, in Psalms 94, 7 through 9, David had just encountered some people who thought this very same thing. They say the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob takes no notice, but yet they say the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob understand. Understand, you senseless among the people, and you fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, shall he not hear? He who formed the eye, shall he not see? The version I've got here, he said, does he who fashioned the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eye not see? And so here's David saying in this situation to these people who, who are doing these evil things, he's going, you guys are living like you think you're Waldo and you're never going to be found. You're living in this situation thinking, God doesn't care about my life. He doesn't care what I'm going through. So I'm just going to do the best with what I've got in the situation where I'm at, and I'm just going to make it. And if, if, you know, if I do, fantastic. If I don't, oh well. Here these people were living their lives however they wanted to live. And they were saying to David, it doesn't matter because God does not even care or notice. He does not even see what I'm doing, nor does he care. But these men and women were not the only people that had this concept. That although God created the universe, and although he may be the ultimate being and have ultimate power, he just doesn't really care what's going on in little old me's world. In fact, a guy by the name of Job also thought this way. If you've grown up in church for even the slightest amount of time, you've probably heard of this guy. And heard his story. Here this guy is, fabulously rich. Fantastic family. And all because the devil said to God, this guy, will, this guy he'll deny you. You take, away, you take away all of his riches, he'll deny you. So God says, okay, man, try it. Takes away his riches. What does Job do? No, he sticks with it. So then the devil comes back to God and says, well, if you take away his family, then he'll deny you. So God says, hey, try it. I, 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 I'm betting on my guy Job here. And he does it, and Job sticks with it. And then he says, if you took away his health, all, man, no wonder he's living for you. He's got his health. So God says, well, try that. And so he gets, he gets struck with boils and terrible skin disease, and, and here he is still not denying God. He's lost everything, but he's saying, I'm not going to turn my back on God. But he did start to question. There was some questions. Like I said, Job 10 and 4. Do you have eyes like mortals? Do you see as the mortals see? In other words, God, do you see what's going on here? Are you looking? Are you kidding me, God? Do you know what's happening to me? And if you do know what's happening, do you even care? Because, man, from where I'm standing, God, it really doesn't feel like you care. I mean, I can't blame the guy. If I find myself in that situation, I don't know. I might be asking God a whole lot more than just, hey, man, what's up? Like, we might be having a few more words than, do you see with mortal eyes? Like, that? <laughs> way to go, Job. You, you did a good job, in my opinion. But Job found himself in this situation. And today, although you might not be in that exact situation that Job found himself in, 
You might find yourself in another situation. Maybe you're dealing with loneliness or contemplating, what is my next step in life? Business decisions, addictions, hurt, grief. Maybe you're just in a moment and you're saying, does God know the moment that I'm in? Does God see where my family's at? Does God know the issues that I have to deal with on a daily basis at work or, or over here with my friends or over here with my family? And if God does care, does know where I'm at, does he care? And today I want to take just a quick walk through the Bible to point out three things about God keeping his eye on you and working on your behalf. So first of all, we can open up our little sheet here. First thing I want you to know is God knows where you are. God knows where you are. God knows where you are. How about we all say that? God knows where I am. Where I am. God knows where I am. There we go. God knows where I am. Let, let's read John 1, 43 through 51 together. We're going to be introduced to a guy by the name of Nathaniel. And I want you to watch this. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. So Jesus has just started his ministry. He's just starting his, his you know, he's, he's been on earth now for 30 years, and he's starting. He's like, okay, it's time to do what I've come here to do. And he found Philip. So he's, he's calling his disciples and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, hang on, hang on, man, I got some questions. Like, you've got some good words. These are exciting words. But I've got some questions that I need answered. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? See, I... You're talking about the Messiah, the one that I've been studying about my whole life, the one I've been learning about, the one that I'm supposed to wait for and yearn for and get excited about, and you're telling me you have found him, okay? I've got questions. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Because as far as I'm concerned, no. That's what he's saying, right? This, this, are you sure? And Philip said, just come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Whoa, where'd the questions go? Hang on, man, I, I had some questions for this guy. He said, No, 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 okay, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting for. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's it, right? We're good. Here he is, Nathaniel, under a fig tree. Gets called by his friend Philip to say, man, come see what does he do? He questions. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Jesus saw him, knew where he was, and all of a sudden, some questions got settled. Because God was able to say to him, Jesus, God in flesh, was able to say to him, I know where you are. Some of his questions, he was able to lay down and say, okay, I don't need an answer right now. Some of us can be walking through some situations, and all that you need to know 
You might be questioning, saying, God, why am I angry? Don't you know that I'm angry? God, I am hurting. Don't you know that I'm hurting? God, I am struggling. I've got this situation, and I'm struggling. I keep falling, tripping, and I'm tired of it. Don't you know that I'm falling and tripping? And all it takes for some of us to hear is, yes, I know. Yes, I know. Like God stood there and said to Nathaniel, I saw you under that fig tree. Before you even came here, before you even stood here, I knew what, where you were. I knew the situation that you were surrounded by. I knew what was going on around you. And some of you might have come in today and you've got questions. And you're saying, I don't even know if I want to come back next Sunday. I'll go for one more Sunday. I'll go for one more day. But man, I don't know if this is the life that I'm supposed to live. I don't know if this is what I'm called to do. And I just want you to know that there is a God in heaven who knows exactly where you are. He knew where you were, what was going on. He knew what you were dealing with this week. He knew the thought processes going through your thoughts. He knew the anxieties and the depressions. He knew the questions. He knew the loneliness that you were struggling with. And he knows exactly where you are. Sometimes just knowing that somebody knows where you are can bring such a relief. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, 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 I get to be, I'm a little uh, entrepreneur, if you will. I run a lawn business. I'm my own business owner. And, and so there are situations I'll run into and I'll be, I'll be like, I have no one to talk to about it. Like, no one else I know really does lawn care. I've got one friend in Alexandria. And then somebody will show up in my life, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. They don't even have to say they care. And all of a sudden, I'm like, can you hug me? Like, we're having a moment. All because they know what I'm dealing with. And so, you know what? Just knowing that my God knows what I'm dealing with knows the things that I'm walking through in my life right now, knows that my baby doesn't want to sleep right now. Man, that's, that's refreshing to know that my God knows that, and he, he sees me. And let me tell you, my God, he sees you. He knows what it is that you're dealing with, and, and he's there. So number, number uh, one, once Nathaniel knew that Jesus knew where he was, his questions no longer bother him. Once he knew that Jesus knew where he was, his questions no longer bother him. So know today, you might have some questions. And do you know what? In that moment, guess what? Nathaniel didn't get, hey man, let me, let me just lay out what Isaiah said about me and let me show you what the prophet said about me coming from Nazareth. And you know, let me, let me show you. No, no, no. There was no Bible study. There was no search for truth chart pulled out. It was just a moment and in that moment, Nathaniel, knowing that God knew, Jesus knew where he was, he was able to lay some questions down. So today, you might have walked in here with some questions. And you might not get the answer to the questions that you're looking for. But I want you to know God knows where you're at. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Number two, God cares where you are. God cares where you are. Let's, let's read from Mark 35 to 41. So he's called the disciples. They've, they've done some ministry with him, some big ministry. He, he's been doing some miracles. I mean, this, this guy's like, he's kind of a big deal among the people now. And so here he is, and Mark, out on a boat, and on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Let's go have a boat trip, y'all. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat 
into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? So here's Jesus in this moment. They've woken him up. Great storm going on. Obviously to these disciples, they know where they know that he knows where they are, right? Yes, they've got a question. It's a little bit more pertinent at this moment. But they know that he knows. But you know, God. But their very next question is, do you even care? Do you care? Like, we're about to die. We're in a pretty bad storm right now. Life is kind of tumultuous, if you will. Yes, vocabulary. But here he is in this moment saying, his disciples are saying, do you care? Do you know what's going on? Here they are. They've just experienced some of the greatest miracles that have ever been written in, in, in history. I mean, they've just seen Jesus take five loaves and a couple of fish and feed a multitude of 3,000 men. We don't even know the exact number of people because they had just recorded the men at that time. So we're saying, let's say half of them had wives. There's 4,500. Let's say half, you know, they had two children each, and we're talking 45 times 9,000 kids. So we're talking like 13,5-ish. Like, that's a lot of people with a, with a loaf of bread. Like, that's a big deal. And I, I don't know, like, if, if I was, like, breaking bread up here the whole time I'm preaching from one loaf of bread, like, you guys would stop listening to me and start watching the bread, right? You'd be like, what's going on? Like, how's this working? But Jesus did this, and the disciples were there. And not only, not only did they see him break the bread, they saw all these leftovers. He's like, look, I've got more than enough. Do you want me to supply your needs? I can go beyond that. Right? So here they are. They've seen the blind eyes opened at this time. They've seen people who have never been able to hear or never been able to walk. All of a sudden, they're able to hear. All of a sudden, they're able to walk. They've seen him speak things into existence that was not possible. They're looking at him going, uh-uh, <laughs> no, that, that's not what, what just happened. Like, they're going back, you know, I mean, these guys are, these guys are taking notes. They were about to write a book about this guy, and they were going back and verifying with these people saying, so tell me again, you really could not talk. Okay, tell, no, 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 tell me again. Jesus said, talk, and you talk. He, he laid his hand on you, and here they are. They've seen this. They've heard this, and now they find themselves in a situation that they've never been in before. So they know that he knows where they are, and their very first answer question is, do you care? God, you know, but do you care? And so God, he, he, Jesus, he wakes up, and he walks out, and, and he starts to respond to the situation. See, the, the disciples thought Jesus didn't care. This is on the paper. The disciples thought Jesus didn't care because he was not responding the way they wanted him. And so many of us can do the exact same thing. We can feel like God doesn't care if I ever get my healing. God doesn't care if my family's ever saved because, man, if he cared, he would have responded by now. 
Man, God doesn't care what I'm walking through. He doesn't care that my road is hard. He doesn't care that I'm hurting or lonely or angry. He must not care because if he cared, he would have responded. He would have responded the way I, you know, this just makes sense. God, are you not reading my thoughts, knowing my ways? Like, come on, God, your thoughts and ways might be above mine, but come on, check mine out for a minute, right? And because he, the disciples were angry, afraid, scared, and they thought he didn't care because he was not responding the way that, that he wanted them to. But look at what Jesus was doing. He stands up and he speaks to the wind and to the waves. And he says, peace be still. And in that moment, he doesn't linger in that, which is crazy. He doesn't, like, he's not blown away by what he just did. Like, he's not standing at the bow of that boat going, wow, that was really quick. That storm faded fast. Like, it didn't shock him. He wasn't like, whoo-hoo, man, wow, hurricane. You know, he wasn't blown away by that. Because he knew he had that power. He understood that. God's not... God's not worried by your situation. He's not looking at your situation going, well, they've got a tough one. <laughs> I don't know, all power in heaven and earth, I don't know if I can deal with their situation. No. While the disciples' attention was on the storm, Jesus had his attention on their faith. While the disciples had their attention on the storm, his attention, Jesus' attention, was on their faith. Look at that, and Austin, can you throw that back up for me again there, bud? Uh, verse uh, 40, verse 40, uh, 39, I believe. Then he wrote, uh, no, next verse, sorry. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So he says, peace be still. Water speaks. Boom, done, taken care of. He, like, flips around. Whew. He's like, what's up with y'all? You've seen all these miracles. You've seen all these things that I can do, and yet in this moment, you're allowing, allowing fear to rise up, and your faith is diminishing. It's gone. Where is it? How is it that you have no faith? Not even just a mustard seed. How is it that you have none? And so Jesus in this situation, I believe the Bible's telling us in this situation, where's your faith? You might have a storm around you. You might be going through something that no one else in this room even knows about. You might have got a report from a doctor. You might, you might have children that are so far off and you're thinking they're never coming back. You might be walking through some of the darkest moments of your life. But I want you to understand God knows where you are and God cares where you are. And he's got his eye while you might be looking at the storm. His attention is squarely on your faith and he wants to move on your behalf. He's not scared of your situation. He's not nervous that he might not be able to handle it. He's not wringing his hands going, wow, is, am I going to be able to make it this time? No, my God, our God in heaven is looking at your situation. And he's about to step in and say, peace, be still. Peace, be still. He doesn't just know where you are, but he cares where you are. Finally, number three, God wants to help you where you are. Did anybody get it right? Guess before me. No, okay. God wants to help you where you are. If you look at Job, so let's let's jump back to Job. This guy has just gone through the worst times of his life. He's questioned God. In fact, he's had a bunch of friends, if you want to call them that, come over and tell him how he's such a horrible human being and he needs to repent. And Job's going, no, man, you guys don't get it. Like, 
I promise I, I, I do my sacrifices. I, I do all the things that I'm supposed to do. I follow the law as best, you know, this thing that I do. I've got a relationship with this entity. I mean, literally, he's doing all of this before, like, anybody's written a word in the Bible. This is, this, I mean, Job really is the oldest book in the Bible. He's doing all of this without even really knowing what to do, but he's doing it. And his friends are saying, dude, like, you've messed up. You've obviously gone too far. You've angered God. And he's like, no, I promise I haven't, guys. And they all start calling him self-righteous. They're like, like this dude's dying on his deathbed. And they're like, you self-righteous jerk. Like, come on now. Poor Job, right? And so he starts questioning God. And then finally God shows up and starts to speak back to Job in 39 through 41. And he starts, God says, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you, man? You weren't around. Don't worry about it. I got this. He actually says to him, hey, you know those dinosaurs, those giant creatures, that leviathan, that huge thing that swam through the ocean? Yeah, I've got a fish hook that'll catch them no problem, dude. Like, I got it. But what do you got? No, you got nothing. That's right. So God's like, you're questioning me. You're getting onto my, uh, onto my case about this, man. And, I, and so God goes off for like three chapters. He's like, uh-uh. Now you, you've ranted and raved. Your friends have ranted and raved. Listen up to me for a minute. And God says, look, Job, before the heavens were, I was. Before any of this was, I was. I've got it under control. I've got your life under control. Job's going, do you know where I am? Like these mortal eyes, are you looking like all these mortals over here? Are you, like I'm Waldo, lost in this crazy situation. And God, I don't even feel like you can find me. And God steps in and says, I've known where you were this whole time. I've seen you. I've watched you. I've been with you. You've been busy questioning rather than understanding, I am there for you. And so Job walks through this moment with God. And God says, here's what's up. I'm going to restore you. He restored Job's losses. He restored Job's losses. In the midst of his darkest moment, God shows up, gives him a word, and he starts to restore what the enemy stole. What the enemy had taken away only because the sovereign hand of God allowed it to happen, God starts to restore. So I don't know where you are in your life. You might feel like the enemy's come against you and he's stolen some things. Let me tell you, God has not lost you. You're not Waldo in the crazy situation that God can't see you. God knows where you're at. He knows. He cares. And just like Job, if you feel like the enemy's stolen some things, I want you to know, he, God wants to restore your losses. What the enemies take, and you know what? The Bible tells us that it wasn't just he restored, oh yeah, back to normal. Back to, no, you know what happened? It was tenfold. It was beyond measure. It was pressed down, shaken together. It was more than Job could have ever imagined. Why? Because God knew where he was at, he cared where he was at, and he wanted to help Job right where he was at. Right where he was at. Then there was Nathaniel, the man with all those questions. You and I, let's not pretend like we don't have questions. Man, John the Baptist had questions. The, Jesus said this is the greatest man that's ever walked in shoe leather. That's what that, those are Jesus' words, not Brendan Hannington's words. Not LifePoint, like on our website, go check it out, John the Baptist, greatest man. No, these are Jesus' words. Greatest man to walk in shoe leather. And you know what? He gets thrown in jail for one minute. He has a situation that's not going his way, and he sends out his disciples and goes, Go ask Jesus if he's the one that we're even supposed to be looking for or if we've missed him. Man, 
But do you know what? So many of us can find ourselves in that same situation. Here's Nathaniel with his questions going, are you sure? Like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Here's John the Baptist in this dark jail cell going, wow, I've really, I've given my life to this thing. Ugh, it'd be a shame if it wasn't, it wasn't right. All of a sudden begins to question in that darkest moment. But God wants to help you where you are. God wants to help you right where you're at. With Nathaniel, he was able to say, I know where you are. And his questions, his, his, he answered Nathaniel's questions. He answered Nathaniel's questions. With John the Baptist, he did the exact same thing. He said, go back and tell John that the blind eyes are open and the deaf ears are, are open and tell him, don't worry, we've got this. And as soon as they walk away, then he you know, professes to the crowd, greatest man that ever lived. I hope so bad that those disciples were stone ear shot. Like, for John's sake, man, that's all. I just hope that John got to hear that. But I don't know. That's Bible. So, Nathaniel's questions were answered. And because his questions were answered, he was able to know, God knows where I'm at. He knows it. I don't got to worry about that anymore. He wanted to help Nathaniel right where he was at. Finally, with the disciples, in the midst of that storm, he was able to speak out. And he calmed the disciples' storm. He calmed the disciples' storm. Now, I don't know where you're at today. I mean, I, for one man, I just know where I'm at. But you probably, throughout today's, I, I know, I've been praying, I've been seeking the will of God, and I believe this is the will of God. I believe that I'm speaking what God wants me to speak and share with this church. And I believe that you probably find yourself in one of these three places. Does God know where I'm at? Does God care where I'm at? If he doesn't care, is he going to do anything about it? And I want you to know that we serve a God whose arm is not short to work on your behalf. He knows right where you're at. He watched you walk through your situation this whole week. He watched you walk through that situation. Maybe you had to carry it right to these front doors and then put on a smile. But he knows where you are at. And he cares where you're at. He cares what you're going through. It, the Bible talks about him being moved by our, by our infirmities, by, by our hurts, by our pains. He's moved for us. I mean, the Bible talks about Jesus making intercessory for us. He's praying for us. He cares about us. He cares about you. So just know that. Know that his care is there for you. Finally, he wants to move right where you are at. He wants to help you right where you're at. You might be saying, I can't take another step. That's okay. God will meet you where you're at. You might be saying, I, I, I've got so many questions. That's okay. He knows. You might be saying, but I've got so much hurts, and he doesn't. He cares, and he'll take care of you. Let's all stand this morning. This morning, I want to open this altar because there are some people in here that need a touch from God, that need a moment with God. And God is here. He's moved in this place. He's already done some great things throughout this worship set, man. The spirit of the Lord swept into this place so beautifully. But it's not done. It's not done. God wants to meet some people this morning. He wants, he wants to have a moment with you this morning. And whether you're questioning, whether you're questioning if he knows where you are, whether you're, you're, you're confused and afraid and you've got no faith, I want you to know he cares where you're at. This morning, that's the one I want to deal with. He wants to move on you where you're at. 
So this morning, I'm going to ask you, if you're in any of these situations, if any of these words that I've spoken to this morning have just touched your heart in some way, I'm asking you to come forward because we're going to have our ministry team come and we're going to pray for you because you know what? God wants to move on your behalf today. You don't have to leave these doors going, okay, finally, I can let it all out and I can go back to my life because no one in there needs to know what I'm going through. But God wants to meet with you here so you don't have to deal with that anymore. So you can know that he is your strength in the, in the midst of that weakness. We're going we're gonna to sit here for a minute, but if somebody, if, if something I've said this morning has pricked your heart and you said, yeah, that's where I'm at, I want you to come forward right now. He wants to move on your behalf. He wants to answer your questions. He wants to calm your storms. He wants to restore your losses. Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, move in this place right now. Let your spirit invade this place, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are great and greatly to be praised. You are holy and you are mighty, God. You are well able, God, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. God, your, your power is not short. You're able, God. You care about our situations. Our storms don't catch you off guard. You're here for us. You're our advocate, God. You're, you're fighting for us, Jesus.